listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It is hour two on a Wednesday edition of Sportsnet Today. Logan Gordon along with you. Cam and Shan, my outstanding producers. We're live in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios for Doug Lacey's Basement Systems. Cracked Foundation, Boeing Foundation walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement. Even DL Basement Systems. Com. Hour one, recapping a Flames win over Arizona in OT last night. Talking about the good vibes around the team right now as they've won four in a row. Also, another edition of Wildcard Wednesday in the books. If you missed any of it, check us out on the podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. Kicking off hour two with one of my favorite chats of the week. Very happy to go down. The Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Welcome in our next guest, our Wednesday regular. She's the host of the fan pregame show on Sportsnet. Ailish Forfar joins us this afternoon. Ailish, how are you? Oh, you know, Pascal Siakam just got traded. Leafs are on a four-game losing streak. Uh, it's it's crazy over here. It's crazy. At least the Jays got Shohei, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, it's not good, good in Toronto one. right now, is it? It's like, it's bad feelings, bad vibes. I don't know if you guys can survive yeah. this or not. You know, it's been weird because obviously, like, you know, they've lost the last couple games and uh, last night was a valiant effort, but it's the, the idea that's been floating around, I guess, like the fan pulse is that Sheldon Keith, you know, might not be the right voice. They might have lost the room. He might not be the guy that can get it done. Maybe the players aren't playing for him. And that turns so quickly, right? Because they were, you know, red hot. They're getting all these wins. They went on the West coast trip and things were great. And then you lose a couple games in a row and it gets noisy. And of course we got some big opponents this week. We got you guys tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We got um, this weekend of, of the Canucks, of course, which is always their Stanley cup. we got the Kraken on back to back, then the jets two in a row. And it's like, this is really interesting time. It's, it could be a bit of a make or break just in terms of where you are in the playoff standing and if the coach is the problem. It's become very noisy over here. <laughs> well, and the thing with the coach, too, when you mentioned Sheldon Keefe and that noise and, and how it builds up so quickly, the thing that always catches me with that, too, is it's so hard to put that back in the bottle and, mm-hmm. and calm that noise down, right? It's almost like once that that ball starts rolling about changing the coach and whether he's lost the room or they just need a fresh voice, like – I can't remember a whole lot of times, Ailish, where that's ever gone, you know, where it's ever retracted away mm-hmm. from that. And they go, okay, you know, it was just a bad spell. You're right. He actually was able to figure it out and got this team back on track, and they didn't have to make that kind of move. Yeah, this happened, um, I think it was either last year or the year before. It was probably last year. They went on their West Coast trip, and it was around Halloween, because I remember that it was like the trip from hell. Ooh. And they <laughs> lost, I think, all four of their West Coast team uh, games. And it was early on in the season, of course. It's not you know mid-January like now. And that was the dialogue right away was Sheldon Keefe this, Sheldon Keefe that. And then this off season, of course, they, they get the win, but uh, in, in the first round, and then he's extended an opportunity um, to sign a, a little bit of a longer contract. And I don't think that means that the, the Maple Leafs wouldn't fire Sheldon 
Keefe, if possible. And, and I think it actually probably helped us all just shut up about it. He's not a lame duck coach. He knows he's got a contract for another year. So I think it quieted that dialogue in the offseason. And is Bradtree Living's first move going to be to get a new coach? No, maybe he holds that bullet for a little longer. But, you know, I mentioned this this schedule coming up, a long West Coast trip. They're going to play the second hardest uh, schedule in the NHL in the, in the second half of the season behind the Boston Bruins in comparison to what they played in the first half. And they're just losing games that they were leading. And that, for me, is like, that's a bad trend, right? Is that the coaches not being able to bear down and be able to coach their team into holding leads? Well, look at the defense core that they have. It, they've been, he's been given a worse defense core uh, than last year. He's been given two goaltenders that are MIA, and he's, he, we're riding Martin Jones, who was passed through waivers in the AHL, who's been like the biggest surprise in the NHL probably this season. So like, I, I get that Sheldon Keefe definitely deserves some blame, but the makeup of this roster deserves a lot of blame too. And the players that are your superstars that show up when they want to deserve a lot of blame too. So like, I'm not in the, you know, pitchforks going for Sheldon Keefe camp yet, but there are things that can be shored up and losing games when you have a lead four in a row. That is something that, you know, I think can be taken a little bit more on the coach's shoulders. Like, are you not motivating these players? Are you not holding them accountable? Are they not holding themselves accountable? And mm-hmm. I think we saw that with Mitch Marner's post games re- remarks, which is obviously the talking point here is like, you know, they don't take a lot of blame themselves. Oh, you know, we were close. Like sometimes that's how it goes. Well, the market gets really annoyed with that very quickly when guys making 10, 11 million dollars don't say, "Hey, you know what? We suck. Like we need to play harder. This isn't good enough." So I think that's that's all that we're looking to see and learn about this team over the the next couple of games and they're not going to be easy ones. So uh we could be talking in a week about a very different uh vibe around this team and maybe someone different behind the bench. Is it too late in the season in your mind to to move on from Sheldon Keith? Like, is January too late in the season to to make that kind of move? Like, is it as easy as popping, say, Craig Berube in? Like, does he have enough time (laughs) mid-regular season to turn the ship around? Or does it get to the point where you're kind of just going to have to live with Sheldon Keith for the rest of the year and see what he can do? It's so funny you ask that because we were just talking about this off air. Uh, Craig Berube is probably the one guy that you would think could do it. Did he not do it with the St. Louis Blues and and get them to a Stanley Cup? And what place were they in January? Dead last in the NHL. And I know you can't replicate that, but that was a crazy, crazy story. I remember following that being like, this team's not good. Oh, oh, wait, they're going to do it. And they're going to do it. And they relied on um, a goaltender that was not great in Jordan Bennington. They had kind of that same storyline of a guy that came out of nowhere and did what he needed to do. But the coach definitely gave them some sort of boost. I think, you know, you're running out of time to play that card because if you put Craig Berube in, like he's a different coach than Sheldon Keith. Like he's going to demand a level of uh accountability that I don't think Sheldon Keefe does or that we know from the outside looking in. Uh, But it's still like, he's still going to have the same players to work with. I think that maybe if I was writing the script for the next little bit, does Bradtree living give Sheldon Keefe and this team 
some replacement for the mistake with the John Klingberg contract. Is that is that where it starts? Okay, you know what? I know this defense core. You're relying on Simon Benoit to be like your number three defenseman. And honestly, they, they deserve a lot of credit, some of these guys. But give us um, somebody a little bit tougher on the back end. Let's see how that changes things. Maybe you go out and you make a, a little bit of a splashy deadline move. Does that get you the, you know, the boost that you need? But at that point, you're a couple of weeks even further away from where we are right now. So, I mean, I've never had the experience of a coach being fired ever in my career. I mean, it doesn't happen much in women's hockey, uh, but I've had different coaches, right? I've yeah. had uh, my college coach at Dartmouth was ex-Secret Service military, went to West Point, and he was a hard ass, but he required a lot of attention to detail and accountability, and I – I've never been more bought in into a team atmosphere, team climate, team culture than with him. And then I've had different coaches that are more player coaches, right? That want to be all buddy, buddy. And like, Oh, I know it's hard. Like, yeah. Like don't listen to, you know, what the parents are saying or whatever. And sometimes that motivates people in a different way. So I am not against it, but I think you're up against the clock, but you're also up against the roster construction, which has, you know, kind of been, I think we're at the point saying it's mid, like this team is mid, like yeah. they're not, they're not the, um, the Oilers that we saw last night. They're not the Colorado avalanche who we saw on the weekend who are absolutely unbelievable. Like that was eye opening. I think we're getting a little bit of a, an eye opening experience in Toronto, looking at this roster and saying, well, maybe they're just not good enough. Like that just could be it. What about the noise out of Toronto that maybe Brad Treliving is getting, cold feet about making a major ad to this team. Is that the right way to go about business if you're Brad Living, or are you, hey, you, you're paying Austin Matthews a lot of money. His extension kicks in next year. Same with William Nylander. You got one year left potentially with, with Tavares and Marner. You need to go out and, and worry about the team now and not worry about the future. Like, what are those sort of riffles of, of Brad maybe – being a little bit more reserved towards the trade deadline. How's that been received in Toronto? I think there's two ways to view it is like, you don't have a lot of assets. The Maple Leafs don't really have a draft uh, cupboard full of picks, right? So they've used some and some of them have not worked out and you've done that before for rentals and they've left. Uh, unfortunately, we've seen that quite a lot. Um, so do you believe if you're bright for living that this team is good enough right now to give away some important assets when you don't have many? I don't know if he knows that yet and that that's okay, but we are also tight against the timeline to make those decisions. At the same time, you know, you have this incredible core of superstars. How many more years can you say that these guys are superstars? Like, you know, I, I, we're seeing John Tavares look old, like he looks old yeah. and slow, and he and, and that's a bit alarming. But also, like he's a workhorse. He's not Nylander. He's not Matthews, who were a little bit younger and obviously in entering their prime. So I think there is a uh, an urgency, but with Brad Trey living, I think he's a very cautious and level-headed guy. Like I think he does his due diligence and I'm sure you can attest to that. He calls a lot of people. He seems like the guy that's out there canvassing what could happen. I don't expect this team to be the same team. We, we talk about when the playoffs do eventually come, but I do think it's a fine line to balance. You can't just be given away first rounders, second rounders, and uh, your young prospects, because there's a couple that seem pretty decent, if you don't think that that's actually going to give this team past the first round win. So there's a lot to balance, and I'm glad I don't get 
to, to make any of those decisions. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough. It's funny because the two teams played each other last night, but I wonder if it it gets to being like the same conversation at least we've had here in Calgary sometimes about Ken Holland and the Edmonton Oilers. It's like you only get so many years of Drysidle and McDavid. When do you finally go all in? Like when do you finally say, mm-hmm. "Hey, I, you know, my first round pick could be four years out." If we make the playoffs, what value does that give me, you know, as a GM in the next two years? How long am I going to to be able to have this sort of superstar roster? And while I don't think it's lingered in Toronto, maybe as long as it has in Edmonton, that question, I wonder if some of those vibes kind of creep in to Toronto the more that we start talking about these contracts and the more, you know, we start getting into the long-term conversation about this group about, okay, when is the right time? To, to go for it and just say, look, we, we got to take a shot at this sooner or later because, like you said, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner aren't superstars forever. It's so funny because as soon as William Nylander signed that contract, we had like a day of Nylander talk, and then it was like, what's Mitch Marner going to do? Because Mitch Marner <laughs> right now seems somewhat expendable, which is crazy to say, but you, you have to start to look at if he wants – the same contract as William Nylander or 13% of the cap. Like how long can you keep, you know, bending the knee to what everybody wants? Hey, you want a no, uh, no move clause? No problem. You want, uh, you want the max amount of money. You want an eight year contract. You want um, this, this, this. Sure. At some point, like being very top heavy, you see this in the third and fourth lines or your third pairing in defense or not luckily like Joseph Wall, who who is really cheap as hit, but like, you know, can you afford somebody that might be a little bit out of your price range, but you've, you know, you've given everything to your superstars. I do think the conversation will be so interesting when it comes to Mitch Marner this off season. And it's, it's tough because he's a Toronto guy. Like he bleeds blue and he's very in tune with what everybody's saying in the media and what everybody says about him and what everybody wants for the fan base. And sometimes that pride is exactly what you need in a player, but sometimes you see it can be distracting and it can be difficult and it can weigh on you. You've got to delete your social media. Like a lot of people are starting to shift into that negative Mitch Marner discussion. And he is the next guy that has to get paid. So I think this year and into the off season, like as of July 1st, I think he could sign something like, does it become what happened with William Nylander? That would be scary. And that would be, you know, a track record uh, of just giving everybody what they want. Like, I mean, tree living just did that with two contracts and I don't blame him. You had to sign Matthews and yeah, Nylander, that's a, that's a pretty hefty one, but are you going to do another one? Are you going to do Mitch Marner in in July? Like, (laughs) then I think it's like hitting your head against the wall. So I think this, obviously there's so much that rides on every year, but maybe it's, a, it's time to break it up. If, if this year doesn't work, like the Raptors just did with Siakam. <laughs> yeah. Them off. yeah. Hey, <laughs> I, I understand that, uh, that sort of mentality. Uh, she's Ailis Forfar. She joins us every Wednesday here on Sportsnet today, host of the fan pregame show on Sportsnet. Uh, what's it been like for Ilya Samsonov since coming back? We had that conversation uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it didn't f- sound very good when you uh, send your goaltender down to get a mental and physical reset. But has it uh, made an adjustment at the NHL level? What's it been like for him since getting back with the Leafs? 
Yeah, so um, Sunday we had the game. We were down at the brink, uh, and it kept getting delayed and delayed, which was hilarious because we were on the air. And then it was like, hey, guys, you got to do another 40 minutes. We're like, what? <laughs> we don't have 40 nice. minutes of time. Perfect, great. Anyway, yeah. um, and so it was it was interesting. So obviously Colorado, um, the night before on a back-to-back, you give your best goal center at the time, which is Martin Jones, to start. And then Sheldon Keith goes, well, we know who's starting tomorrow, but we won't tell you. And I was like, okay, like, just like, I don't like these little games. Anyway, we show up to the rink on Sunday. We're doing the pregame show and uh, we find out it's going to be Elias Samson off earlier on. And it makes sense. You know, if he's not starting Detroit on a back-to-back at home, I don't think he's ever playing again for the, for the Maple Leafs because the other option was Dennis Hildeby, who everybody knows is supposed to be the superstar. But I think over the last week since we talked, we found out more that Dennis Hildeby's camp, which, uh, which would be like, you know, those that are supporting him on his journey from overseas to here, don't, don't see him playing any NHL games this year. It's supposed to be a year of development at the AHL level, the first time he's played professional hockey in North America. Even the fact that the two goaltenders on the Maple Leafs, one of them's injured and one of them was demoted to the Marlies that didn't spark the need to give this guy an opportunity to me was like, all right, Samsonoff's going to get another chance. And he played fine against Detroit. Like, I mean, I'm never going to feel like he's a starter really. I don't know what could get me to that point, but to it, it, let him live another day. How about that? Like, sure. and he's going to play, he's going to play a game um, sometime soon. And maybe on this back to back against the Canucks and the Kraken and he gets to live another day. And I think that's where we're at. And I feel for the guy because he's so honest in the media. And, like, I, I like that because we want to know what you're thinking so we can talk about it from an educated place. But at the other side of it, it's hard sometimes when a guy is so, so down on himself and struggling and talking about the mental stresses that he's having and him and his family. And you're like, oh, just you need a good bounce. You need a game that you win. And they didn't end up winning that one, which was tough. But, you know, I think we're all cautiously optimistic. I think that's the best way to put it. Uh, I, I root for the guy. Uh, I don't think he'll be a Maple Leaf after the season. Uh, he tried to bet on himself as well, and he got the one-year ARB contract. And I just I just want him to be fine. Like, I don't expect him to be a superstar, but I just need him to, to be able to play, like, some backup minutes down the stretch. Uh, but it was, a, it was a small step forward, let's say that. Uh, what about your bills? Uh, I know it was the snowball on Monday. Did you uh, did you have to make your way down and fight through four feet of snow to find a seat in the stadium, or did you watch from home? I watched from the uh, television screen um, while we were live on the air on Sportsnet. I was pretending to be fully focused on our guest <laughs> topic. Well, I had the game streaming in front of me on my laptop. So don't go back and watch that episode uh, because I, I clearly have a couple moments where I'm like, yes. I mean, no, that's oh, no. really sad. Oh, yeah, really that's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was awesome. Like, I mean, because I guess the game was 430. We're live on at 6 o'clock here Eastern. So it was right in the heat of it. Like, it was a it was a practice in being a professional journalist, which I think I still need to work on. Um, but it was it was very it was very good. I'm proud of the boys. I cannot wait for Sunday. Unfortunately, uh, we also have the game this Sunday night against the Kraken, and we're live on the air at eight thirty. So we'll be doing this show. Uh, once again, while the game is on in the dying heat of the moment, uh, if not, it definitely would have made my way down there. Like that's a game Kansas on the road. They haven't Ooh. played a road playoff game. It's bills. Like it's cold. It's like, you're coming to our barn for the first time. And, uh, 
So I feel optimistic. I mean, Josh Allen showed that's the Josh Allen you need to see on Sunday. Uh, I think our all every single linebacker is injured, unfortunately. Uh, but we'll find a way. We're gritty. We're gritty. It's going to work out. Um, feeling optimistic. I don't know if you're Bills guy, but we'll always take more. I'm a Chargers guy, actually. So I am Team Ooh, Buffalo this weekend. That. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate yeah. it. Uh, but it'll make you feel better. <laughs> I'm Team Buffalo this weekend because uh, I would totally love to see Patrick Mahomes get blown out in Buffalo. Uh, and not have to uh, talk about him winning whatever it is, the ninth straight division or whatever for them. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, just focus on a draft pick or something. Don't, don't you don't have to go to the Super Bowl every year. So let Buffalo have some fun. <laughs> I agree. I'm excited to see uh, Taylor Swift in Buffalo. And I, there's so many funny memes. Like, Taylor Swift, and she sees, like, degenerate Buffalo uh, Bills fans <laughs> jumping through flaming tables. And I'm like, yeah, she needs to experience like what it's like to be in Orchard Park and be like hacking darts. And, and like, I need to see Taylor Swift like lay eyes on the Bills Mafia on Sunday. So that, that'll be fun at least, you know, like that, that's going to good, good TV. <laughs> Have you seen the, the one about uh, her walking into like the best hotel Buffalo has? Oh, yeah, and that's it's so good. Just the terrified woman in this really crappy yeah. apartment room. I'm like, okay, I can, I can get along with Bills Mafia for the weekend. I think I can, yes. uh, I can get on board with this. We'll have to, uh, we'll have to message and uh, figure out what we're doing for this flames uh, yes. Leafs game coming up after well, I embarrass in myself. Time. In I already have because... one. It's really easy. Okay. Uh, if the Flames win, I get Bunker. Um, I think that that's. Hey, I, no. I, I love dogs. <laughs> Bunker's adorable. I would. I would love to have Bunker be my reward for a Flames win on Thursday. I don't know that you'll uh, you agree know what? to He's that. He's never been on an airplane, so <laughs> I don't know. He, he can't make it out to Calgary. Sorry, He's, he doesn't have a passport or like whatever you need to get on a plane. <laughs> it's too cold here in Calgary for him, anyway. He's not used to this kind of He's weather. He's so cute, though. Oh, uh, oh, happy boy. first birthday to your pupper, Bunker. Um, <laughs> I would take him in the bet if uh if such rules allowed but uh, i can understand why you want to keep him we'll have to think of uh something else to put on the line for thursday uh enjoy the game thursday Ailish. i'll chat with you soon we'll figure something out for the game on thursday hey sounds good uh best of luck you know your guys are hot ours are cold i don't know i'm, I'm feeling a little worried about it but you know we'll, we'll see how it goes we'll see least, how it goes. least nation always <laughs> travels well in calgary i, I heard the uh the back and forth uh, chanting between the Oilers and the Flame, or the oh, Oilers yeah. and the Leafs fans, and I'm sure it'll be the same here at the Dome on Thursday. So it should be a fun one. Yeah, it'll be sweet. It'll be sweet. Um, we'll chat next week. Yeah. let me know what the bet is. Sounds good. We'll figure something out. Have a great week, Ailish. You too. Thanks so much. Bye now, Ailish Forfar, joining us down the Atlas Peach and Sports Bar guest hotline. She's our Wednesday regular. You can catch her on Sportsnet. Uh, hosting the fan pregame show with Justin Cuthbert. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Uh, Nazem Kadri has been red hot for the Calgary Flames. Uh, he said to join our sister station, Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto, to chat with Real Kipper and Bourne. Uh, of course, that's the show with Nick Kiprios and Justin Bourne will uh, bring you Nazem Kadri around the corner when Sportsnet today rolls on here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. We will hear from Flames forward Nazem Kadri coming up in just a few moments. As he's set to join Nick Kiprios and Justin Bourne on the Real Kipper and Bourne show. Of course, he will play his former team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, on Thursday when they are into Calgary for their lone visit of the season. Two teams going in opposite directions. Flames have won four in a row. Leafs have lost four in a row. 
We'll have all the coverage for you right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan, for what's always one of the fun atmospheres of the season at the Scotiabank Saddledome. It's Brad Living's return to Toronto, as, uh, to, to Calgary, excuse me, uh, as well. Now uh, the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. 7 o'clock puck drop means a 6 o'clock warm-up with the one and only Pat Steinberg, Derek Wills, and Megan Mickelson on the call at 7 right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Uh, you might have heard Ailish mention it in our chat kickoff hour 2. We do have a major trade in the NBA to let you know about. Haven't seen this go official from either team yet, but uh, when the two big NBA insiders are on it, when Shams and Wojnarowski are on it, uh, you can pretty much call it a done deal. Uh, the Toronto Raptors are finalizing a deal to send Pascal Siakam to the Indiana Pacers in exchange for Bruce Brown, Jordan Nawara, and three first-round picks. Pacers would be sending their own 2024 and 2026 first-rounders to Toronto, as well as the worst pick in the 2024 draft from the Rockets, Thunder, Jazz, or Clippers. So there's a lot there. Uh, In a separate deal, the Pacers are acquiring uh, Pelicans guard Kira Lewis Jr. and a second-round pick for cash considerations. Uh, And then Lewis will be sent to the Raptors as part of the Siakam trade. Uh, ESPN's Mark Spears says that the Pacers are expected to re-sign Siakam uh, when he becomes a free agent this summer. Siakam averaging 22 points and six rebounds in 39 games for the Raptors this season. The 29-year-old now joins all-star guard Tyrese Halliburton and the league's highest scoring offense in Indiana. The Pacers are sixth in the East with a 23-17 and record. And the Raptors will begin life without pa- uh, Pascal Siakam right away uh, as they host the Miami Heat for a 5.30 tip-off this evening on Sportsnet 1. The Raptors currently sitting 12th in the East with a 15-25 and record. And as I bring uh, my producer Shan into the program, uh, that's a big return for an expiring contract for the uh, Toronto Raptors, Shan, but they continue uh, to turn things over. Obviously, a big trade with the Knicks a couple weeks ago. Now, this one, Fred Van Vliet left in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a new generation of uh, Toronto Raptors led by Scotty Barnes now. I, I, I'm, I'm happy giving the keys to Scotty. I just, he's young and he shows so many, he shows brilliance in a lot of moments, but I, I still think he's young to be the leader of this team. But you're right. You look at the they traded OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam. You get Emmanuel Quickly, R.J. Barrett, Bruce Brown, Jordan Nora, Kira Lewis, the three first and a second round pick. That's not bad at all. It really isn't. The the part of the problem is that it should have been done last year, and instead they went out and they traded for Pirtle, and and they traded away a conditional first round pick, and they're 100 percent regretting that now because they ended up losing to Demar Derozan's daughter in the play in. So. It's been an ugly year for the Raptors, and this season started ugly when Masai Ujiri in his his opening press conference called Pascal Siakam selfish in some ways. And you know Siakam's a guy that was drafted by the Raptors, played won a championship with nine oh five, and you know he worked his tail off to become the player that he is. He he's an all star, and you don't win the championship without Pascal Siakam. You you don't. I know I understand Kawhi Leonard is the main guy, but you do not lose without 
or you do not win without Pascal Siakam. So uh, I I think I truthfully think they should have re-signed him. And, you know, you get three first-round picks and, and a couple good players. Like, Bruce Brown's a really good player, but I think he'll be moved because the Raptors are not trending to be a playoff team. But, you know, all, all in all, the, the Raptors are looking towards the future. They should have done it last year, but it, I guess better better late than never. And um, certainly wish Pascal all the best because he was, he was a class a class human being and a class class athlete for the Toronto Raptors. And uh, I think I think the Raptors fans and, and faithful are very happy to have him for all this time. So I guess if you're the Raptors, the focus the rest of this season is, you know, try to secure a top five pick in the draft. Use, you know, now your three first rounders to try to build up some stock around Scotty. I guess that that makes sense. I mean, I don't know. I'm not an NBA draft prospect uh you know savant i don't know that i haven't heard of any star player that's you know got a franchise player in this draft but i mean you can tell me if i'm wrong on that shan if if that's you're hearing any different about anybody atop this draft no it, it, it's similar similar to last year with with the nhl like you you knew who the top guys were in the draft and and, and same thing for the nba victor Wembanyama was the guy scoot henderson's a great player and uh and, and brandon miller is another guy that you look at and you're like, okay, that's a really solid, like solid top three this year. There's, there's no huge standouts and and you'll see the standouts after March madness. That's when everyone starts to get a good grasp on this. But last year was the, the year to quote unquote tank and, and, and go for one of those top picks. And I think the Raptors certainly missed out on that. They have, they have some really good pieces. RJ Barrett. It, it's such a cool story. The Canadian comes to Toronto and he's already lighting it up. And Emmanuel quickly is a player. The Raptors haven't had, in a very long time, their problem now is 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 their big guy. Scotty Barnes is a very versatile player, but he's not a center. And he lost Precious Achua, and Chris Boucher is is who he is. And Jakob Pertl is not bad at all, but you don't have one of those those star uh, big men. So I think they're gonna target use a couple of those draft those first round picks to go after a big man. The the problem is so many big men succeed in in college, and then they get to the league, and it it just it it's a completely different world because college you can be a big guy. You look at, um, you look at a guy like Zach Eady. He's dominant. He's seven five. I really don't think it's going to translate to the NBA. So uh, Raptors clearly banking and, and they've done well in the draft. Pascal Siakam was a late first round pick, so it, they know they know how to do it. I just uh, I'm curious to see the direction they go and if they try and flip the picks or some other their players still. Well, that's gonna be an interesting thing too. Is in the NBA, I think more than maybe other leagues. Drafting seems to still be a bit of a mystery to some teams. Yeah. Like Nikola Jokic, I believe, was what, a mid round pick? He was a second round pick that was drafted during a Taco Bell commercial. That's a real thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I, and I can think of a handful of other guys that weren't number one overall picks. I know you don't even want to be the number one overall pick. I mean, it sure seems like. You can find some gems a little bit deeper down the draft as long as you've got the right guys in charge of your scouting department, right? Like, yeah. doesn't sound like you need to have a number one overall pick or else you're not getting a, a talented player. Like, I mean, uh, Jokic is probably the best example, as you mentioned, but... Giannis was a mid-round pick, so was Steph Curry. Like, those... Yeah, so there's two There's two fantastic examples of that then. Well, it's, it's, it's true. It, the NBA... A lot of these guys come into the league and they develop really fast. It's not like the NHL where you sit 
you know, you play another year junior and then you come to the AHL a couple of years, couple of years, years later and then you, you get your chance in the NHL. A lot of these guys get drafted and they just get thrown into it. So that's why you see a lot of guys get weeded out, but you also see a lot of guys, you know, they have their flashes in college where where they're running a team and you're like, like look at Steph Curry. It's like, okay, but it's Davidson. And, you know, whatever. He's he's playing for a low school and he hits some shots in, in the tournament, whatever. And then you're like, okay, no, this guy can actually carry a team. It's not just a, a college team. So, and you look at Giannis and Jokic, those guys came from Europe and we're starting to see a lot of Europeans take over. Uh, Luka Doncic was drafted by the Hawks and they're like, now we want Trey Young. So they traded him away. I think they probably regret that now. So it, it's hard to get a grasp on on some of these Europeans and, and how good they really are because they're playing pro basketball at 16 and you know their stats are like six points a game. But I... I, I, I really, I, I, you can tef- definitely take shots in, in the draft. I just think Siakam was a guy that they took a shot on and he worked out and I really don't think they needed to trade him. Uh, that's the latest from the NBA, the Raptors, finalizing a deal to send uh, Pascal Siakam to the Indiana Pacers for a package of players and three first round picks. Uh, did want to give you the latest on the Calgary Flames. We are waiting to hear from Nazem Kadri uh, as he's uh, scheduled to uh, meet with uh, Nick Kiprios and Justin Bourne, and that's where we'll take you now as the Flames forward checks in with our sister station, Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto, ahead of playing his former team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, on Thursday. Naz, for you, your hockey club, and, and where you're at right now. Yeah, it's been good. It's definitely been good, uh, you know, recently, obviously. Um, you know, the dad's got us going a little bit, I think, and, uh, you know, kind of, uh, generated some momentum for us and you know it's always fun hockey when you're getting w's and, and playing the way we're playing so we're going to look to uh you know build on that you got 10 points in the month of january humming along eight or nine game point streak um you know what's changed for you guys uh, there was a point early in the season where it felt like catastrophe was looming but you guys have really found your stride here i think we've battled and you know that's a, a great quality to have um you know, being down but not out, you know, I think, uh, you know, lots of third-period comebacks this year and just being a um, resilient group and just having that belief and that trust that, um, you know, we can get the job done. Uh, if we're all playing together, I think, uh, you know, we could be a, a playoff-type caliber team, a team that's uh, hard to beat. So, you know, it, it, it's it's a, as you know, hockey's a confidence and, and momentum thing, and right now we're riding that wave. We're talking to Nazem Kadri of the – Calgary Flames. So, so just to touch on that a little bit, uh, no doubt that everybody's well aware of who needs a new contract, who doesn't, who's potentially uh, on the trading block, who isn't. Has this been, Naz, for you guys in that room, a bit of a, a rallying where you guys kind of galvanize or, or come together and say, hey, let's give them every reason not to trade us? Has, has that, those conversations gone on earlier? Yeah, exactly, Kipper. I mean, you, you, uh, you're bang on there. I think, uh, you know, just kind of having that uh, underdog mentality and, and uh, you know, understanding that, you know, it's kind of us against the world type type feeling where, um, you know, people don't really give you much of a chance and you want to, um, you know, want to throw that back in their face. So uh, f- for us, I think uh, in the dressing room, we've been pretty focused and, of course, there's, you know, looming contracts and this and that. But, uh, you know, when it comes to preparing for games, I think we're doing it all together. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a scary team when, when that happens. 
All right, Naz, I got to ask you a question from our producer here. He's he's convinced. You, you've obviously played for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And you've played in Colorado and then Calgary now. And, and you've seen kind of both sides of things. He's convinced that players care more about beating the Leafs. Is there anything to that? <laughs> you know what? That's absolutely factual. <laughs> <laughs> right on. And, and I didn't, I honestly did not realize that until I uh, kind of moved out of the Toronto bubble, but uh, everyone's gunning for the Leafs. I mean, that, uh, you know, that's, you know, it's uh, such a, such a historic and terrific franchise with a lot of great history and i don't know it's just uh you know it's a little extra incentive uh, i mean especially for myself uh you know being a former maple leaf i think it's uh, you know you always have this game you know these couple games circled on your calendar and always uh especially when you're rolling through toronto so um yeah i guess that'd be pretty accurate <laughs> now as a uh... The Leafs are coming in with a, a losing streak uh, over the, your career. You had a few of those here in Toronto, but uh, the overall sense on on how to handle the media in a Canadian city when things aren't going well. And I know you've had some instances in Calgary there. Has your experience as a Maple Leaf been very helpful for you now at, at this stage of your career when 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 there is a lot of outside noise? Absolutely. I mean, I think it just uh, kind of teaches you how to handle that, that adversity. And, uh, you know, sometimes it can be tough to do, but, um, you know, having that experience always helps. But, you know, things can uh, change a lot in, in this sport, you know, from week to week. You know, all of a sudden you're, uh, you're a hero to, to an absolute flop in the matter of, you know, three days. <laughs> so things can snowball on you quickly, but um, you know, we obviously respect the team we're playing and, and we got to be ready to go. All right. Well, listen, we're going to let you go as you prepare uh, for, for the Leafs. Can you kind of take it easy on them a little bit just for the sake? <laughs> our show needs a break. Our, our show really <laughs> could use uh, a night off. <laughs> I can't promise anything. <laughs> <laughs> we understand. Nas, thanks for doing this, pal. Really appreciate it. Thanks, man. All right, fellas. No problem. There you go. That's Flames forward Nazem Kadri joining Nick Kiprios and Justin Bourne on the Real Kipper and Bourne show on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590. The fan, you'll hear uh, the second hour of their show coming up a little bit later on this afternoon. But the guys checking in with the former Toronto Maple Leaf and former Colorado Avalanche forward as he uh, gets set to take on the first former team in his career, the Toronto Maple Leafs, on Thursday uh, as the Flames welcome in Toronto. It's always a fun game. There's always plenty of Leafs fans. Um, there was a ton of them Tuesday night in Edmonton. They had the back and forth cheers in that game. I would expect a lot of the same. It's uh, a fun weekday game that gets the, the dome buzzing. It'll be back to back games like that with the Oilers coming in on Saturday as well for their first trip to Calgary in a while. And, uh, the six game homestand continues for the Calgary flames. Again, it's a seven o'clock puck drop on uh, Thursday. Pat Steinberg will have your flames warm up at six. All the coverage of the Flames and the Toronto Maple Leafs for their only visit to Calgary right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. We are wrapping up the show today on this Wednesday. Some quick thank yous uh, to my outstanding producers, Cam and Shan, uh, for their great work today and uh, their good fun playing Wild Card Wednesday. Uh, if you uh, listen to the show live on the podcast or you joined us for Wild Card Wednesday, send us a text. Uh, really appreciate that. We love having you guys be a part of the show here on Sportsnet today. And, of course, thank you to Ailish Forfar for joining us 
Uh, she's the host of the fan pregame show on Sportsnet. Always love checking in with Alish. She got you ready with everything you need to know uh, about the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're the next opponent for the Calgary Flames coming up on Thursday. Uh, still to come tonight, obviously, I mentioned you'll hear Real Kipper and Bourne Hour 2 coming up. Steinberg's got you for Flames Talk for a couple hours. Uh, you can watch the New Jersey Devils and the Montreal Canadiens on the Sportsnet Television Network tonight. Uh, Sportsnet 1's got the Toronto Raptors hosting the Miami Heat. Raptors will not have Pascal Siakam as they are finalizing a trade to the Indiana Pacers. Uh, so lots on your televisions tonight as well. Enjoy your evening. We will be back same time, same place tomorrow. It's a Thursday, so we'll have Julian McKenzie along for the ride. Uh, he's going to join us for an hour tomorrow. We'll also have Adnan Verk. We've got to check in uh, with Verk. He was at the Critics' Choice Award. He was uh, bumping shoulders with celebrities. I got saw pictures of him with Will Ferrell, John Hamm, uh, De Niro. The list goes on and on. And uh, we'll probably have to bug him about his uh, Eagles getting ousted by uh, Pat Steinberg's Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So should be a fun Thursday show as we get you set for the Flames and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Have a great afternoon. Stay warm. Drive safe out in the snow. We'll be back same time, same place on a Thursday game day here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan.